From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, and welcome to the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Thank you guys for joining us yet again. You're being awesome to us. You're writing in a lot of great car debates. We're enjoying reading them. They vary a lot. We have two tonight that are very different and very interesting in relation to everything else we've done so far. Yeah, these are going to be fun. We're going to talk about Eric, who's writing to us from Canada. He's writing about uh, midsize SUVs and a need to tow a boat which is not exactly what we normally talk about, but let's give it a shot. We're also (laughs) going to talk about another one, which is Jason in Michigan is writing to us. Uh, He's trying to buy his first car. He has that uh, hand-me-down from the parents trying to buy his first car. He's got some good thoughts there. We're excited about both those car debates. Thank you guys for joining us yet again. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We're getting a lot of listeners from Canada, so thank you. Big shout-out to Canada. We appreciate that. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about the brand-new Mustang, the 2015 that has just come out on the Internet. We have not driven it yet. But what's so interesting is even though we talk about stats briefly on the show – you cannot drive a spec sheet. You cannot understand what a car is going to drive like from the stats. But that's all we have to go on tonight. So we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. that and start things off with these engine choices that the Mustang has been introduced with. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've just gotten, a lot of journalists have just now gotten into the Mustang. We actually were invited to a press event for it, but unfortunately it is exactly happening during one of our shoots, which is a bit of a bummer. But, yes, thanks uh, we to Ford for that, by a, the way. Yeah, definitely. We want to do a detailed review of the new Mustang against competition, as we are known to do. We want to do that. That means that will be probably later in the year, so that will be coming. But right now all we've got is the stats and the initial first drive things we're reading, which are the same things you're reading. But I am intrigued by three engine choices in the new Mustang. Yeah, this is pretty interesting and uh you know what we're talking about here is just on ford's website and and like todd said we're reading the same things you are the base engine is a v6 which has been a case for a while but here's where it's been the case for a while yeah yeah. the middle engine is a four-cylinder because it's a ecoboost which is ford's fancy way of saying hey we made a turbo it is the turbo four-cylinder that is the middle engine more powerful than the V6, which means your V6 will be your fleet car and your four-cylinder will be your step up. That's what's fascinating. Yep, yep. I, I was looking at all the stats on here, and again, that's all we've got, but I'm reading the horsepower, 300, and it has less torque than the EcoBoost, the turbocharged yep. engine. Of and so I'm does. thinking, of course it does. what is the point of even having this engine as an offering and it's, it's a, rental fleets. That's yeah, it. It's it's a fleet car. That's that's pretty much all it's for. I mean, this this uh, turbo version is supposed to start about twenty five grand. By the time you really load it up, get it out the door, it probably will be thirty. Still a pretty affordable car. But the thing I think is fascinating about this reality, of course, they're going to get great gas mileage from that turbo. Oh yeah. But Ford has not had a turbo in this Mustang since I think the SVO. That guy in what was it eighty three eighty four? That little yeah. four cylinder turbo. That was a very rare car. I knew a guy that had one. It was just and at the time. A four-cylinder turbo Mustang was complete and total sacrilege in the early yeah. '80s. Yeah, I mean, that was that was. You've got to be kidding! You bought a what now? And and yet <laughs> yeah. it had great power at the time compared to some to, compared to what you would expect. This is a 2.3 liter four-cylinder, so it's ha- a little less than half the size of the big boy V8. Yep. But 
over 300 horsepower, over 300 pound-feet of torque. So we're talking uh, power beyond, let's put it this way, power beyond your Evo or STI will be available in this mid-grade Mustang. So I'm looking at this, and I am wondering if Ford is taking a page from the playbook of Subaru and Toyota with the FRS, the FT86 twins, triplets. I'm wondering if they're using this inline-four turbo engine as a starting point because they know everybody on the planet is going to tune this engine into oblivion yeah, yeah. way past the power of a V8, and I'll bet there's going to be far more tuning engine tuning products available for that car than the 5-liter V8. I'm well, wondering if they're be... sort of looking at those cars and saying, this is version 1.0 of the new Mustang. Here you go, guys. Go I for think it. They're, I think they're aware of the fact that obviously everybody's going turbo because it adds to your fuel economy. That's probably the number one driver for this, let's be candid. Oh, yeah. but, yep. but having said that, it puts I think it puts the Mustang into a realm. The tuning thing is an excellent point. It puts the Mustang into a buyer realm that the Mustang isn't normally in. The guys that have gone out to buy turboed factory cars because I'm going to chip it. I mean, look at the Fiesta ST is a great example, right, within the Ford family. You're yep. buying a turbo factory car because you're going to chip it, you're going to put an exhaust in it, you're going to have 150, 200 more horsepower than you got from the factory. That's never been the Mustang unless you want to pay a ton of money to put in the turbo plumbing. This yeah, is going to come right. with the turbo plumbing, and you're going to have those guys, just like you do with Evos and STIs, you're going to have those guys going to be like, I got a 600 horsepower Mustang turbo, man. That's going <laughs> to happen here. You know it is. You know so it is. Mustangs have never really been in that kind of part of the market. I think this makes a big splash in that part of the market. I think it's a brilliant move, actually. And both Todd and I have been impressed lately with just about every Ford product we've driven. We've been impressed with all these cars and noting that you know a lot of the Focus ST, the Fiesta ST, they've been yeah. getting tuned by these companies and just increasing the enjoyment factor. But we're impressed with them straight out of the box, you know, right off the showroom floor. So we're very curious to drive this. We we'd like to drive both variants, that inline four and the V8, and really <laughs> yeah. you know see the differences. But you know I'm impressed with what Ford Ford is doing across the board, and I hope it continues for this car. I really do. Yeah, I'm excited about the V8 because, of course, you know, Mustang, V8, you're going to want that. And the people that have typically bought that Mustang V8, I don't think any of those folks. That's the thing. I think it's a new buyer's discussion because I don't think any of the yeah. people that have traditionally bought the Mustang GT 5-liter V8 are going to go, hmm, what about the four-cylinder? <laughs> I can't imagine those folks are going to go that way. But I think people that have not bought a Mustang before or thought about, I don't want the V8 and the V6 doesn't interest me, I think those folks are going to go for the four. I think it's interesting for the four. The only thing about it, I think, is a little bit of a, huh, that's too bad, is the weight. This is a 3,500-pound car. Now, yeah, that, that's the same as the Evo. That. That's the same as the Evo. This is not you know, unheard of to be a 3,500-pound uh, sports car. But, I mean, that's better part of 1,000 pounds more than the FRS BRZ. So, you know, I mean, not that's just the significantly weight. heavier. Not just the weight. And, and I am looking at the photos of this car, and the longer I look at it, the more I like it. And I have seen it in person a couple of times at various auto shows. Yeah. But not just the weight, but the size. And I know we're America, and we've got plenty of space and all that stuff. But I keep looking at the car and just thinking, it just doesn't need to be that big. Like the Camaro. If they just had tucked the things a little bit more, scaled it down to 98% of what it is, I think I'd like it even more. It's weight and size that America does pretty damn well so yeah i feel like that's a know? bigger issue with something like the camaro than it is the mustang i mean i i feel like the 3500 pounds to me on the mustang I, i'm of two minds about it i'm disappointed i wish it weighed three four hundred pounds less 
but oh, yeah. a modern car with modern safety equipment and all of the modern stuff we require to have in our cars with the Bluetooth and the heat and heated and cooled seats and the this is heated and that's cooled and everything right. it does, 3500 is not that surprising. I just, as a guy that likes small, light cars, go, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. But yeah, this four-cylinder turbo engine, I want to drive that car, and I think, I think that's going to open up the Mustang to people that have never bought a Mustang before. It's interesting. We're looking forward to driving it, looking forward to sharing that review with you, but we should move on, keep rocking yep. towards the first car debate for Eric up in Canada. And really appreciate you writing in, Eric. Uh, you said you're 19 living up in Saskatchewan. And really understanding and, and wanting that driving enthusiast a lot more. However, the <laughs> twist in here... Yeah, it's a twist, all right. <laughs> ...is something Todd and I have not tackled before, and that is you might be buying a boat and therefore you need towing capacity and you've suggested some cars in here for towing but generally that's not something we really tackle so i'm i'm curious to to get after this list you've got kind of an interesting list here and and uh curious to talk about this i've got a yeah. few ideas yeah. that could be interesting but when you talk about driving enthusiasts <laughs> driving enthusiasts on one hand and towing on the other that's there's generally a not equal sign in between the two yeah that's they very true don't well, that's, go hand in hand yeah unless you're driving something like the raptor this is not really <laughs> right. two things that equate i mean i want to do a couple little kind of broad stroke thoughts about what uh, what eric has discussed here i mean most of the things you've recommended for yourself eric you've said these are the things i'm looking at they're all in that uh small suv five seat uh mm -hmm. cuv range that that part of the market is exploding right now every mar manufacturer has one of those or two they're making as many as they can. I mean, come on, look at BMW with the X1 and X3. Oh, yeah. Look at, you know, the Q5 from Audi. I mean, everybody has got one of these, or they're making one as fast as they can because that's the part of the car market in general that's growing the fastest and is printing money. You know, it used to be full-size SUVs. Now it's this market segment. That market segment's the one you're looking at, but here's the problem that I have with that market segment for you. That is an area, with, with exceptions, but, but generally that is an area where those cars are trying to be jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Uh -huh. They're not a full-size SUV that has the full-size SUV towing capacity or space, and they're not a small, agile car. They're, they're obviously more agile than a big SUV, but they're not as agile and driver-focused as a small car. So you're there in the middle kind of going, what am I? I'd and like to call the out the BMW X6 for being that car. Todd and I cannot figure out who buys this car, what is it for, you can't sit in the back seat, it's not a towing vehicle, you can barely fit anything inside there, and it's a huge tall car. What the, the, is this car for? I drove the X6M on a, on a journalist track day, and <laughs> in the middle of my second lap, it, it struck me out of the clear blue nowhere. I was like, the X6M is going supersonic in a high chair. That's the best description of what that is. <laughs> that was exactly how I felt. I did not feel safe. I was not enjoying myself. The car was impressive, but I just kept going, why? Why I, am I doing this? I mean, BMW is the company that is inventing sub-segments in between their sub-segments, they are, and somehow yes. they're selling cars. Somehow people yes, are going, you know, I didn't think I needed that car, but I've got a smaller space in my garage, and I, I think I do. I BMW guess I do. Is, is actually, they're, they're niching down the niche market segments to the point where if they sell five cars, they've hit capacity. But we wanted yeah. to sell five of those models, and we've done it. It's, it's quite amazing. But anyway, so you've talked about these five-seat SUVs, and that's kind of the area you're looking at. I, my, my feeling is, I think you should take a hard look, Eric, at 
what's the boat you're going to buy and how often are you going to use said boat and tow it? Because my feeling is if you're going to have a boat you're going to use, I'm just throwing it out there, half dozen times a year, do you know anybody that could tow your boat for you? Get, the- get an enthusiast <laughs> car and do you know anybody that could tow your boat when you want to use it? That would be my feeling to you. If you really are going to tow a boat around, you've limited yourself on enthusiast car capacity because, for example, I looked at uh, the WRX for you, the WRX wagon. It's got about yeah. a 2,000-pound towing capacity, which is not nothing, but that's not full-size ski boat. Full-size ski boat's probably going to be between two and 3,000 pounds by the time you get everything all in. So uh, that's going to be more than your wagon can handle. Now, there are people that are towing a couple of dirt bikes, two, maybe three dirt bikes, two, maybe uh, two or so jet skis with a, with a WRX wagon. That's viable. But, uh, but that's, that's pushing the limits of that towing capacity. But that, yet that's a fun car for everything else. It's a good, well-rounded car. Yeah. So I, I, this is a perfect example of have a friend who owns a pickup truck. And in this case, it's not for moving. It's so he can tow your boat for you. Mm. So is that going to be only in the summer? Is it a <laughs> ski boat? Only you know? Is it a fishing boat? You know? And and of course, yeah. As Todd said, it depends on the size of the boat. So yeah. You know, if you go bigger and bigger, you're going to need actually a truck and maybe even yeah. something with a solid rear axle. And at that point, that is nowhere near a driving enthusiast car. So, you know, I note your wild cars in here. You had a Super STI on here. Can you imagine? I think the car would cry out in shame to have a boat being towed behind an STI. I mean, can you imagine that picture? People will just take your picture just, what the heck is that guy thinking? Yeah, I mean... It, and then it, there's the, you know, yeah. <laughs> the the Infinity Coupe. Yeah, I get that. But just generally, people who tow things with cars, I don't understand. If you're going to tow something, get a truck. If you're not, yeah. get a car. I mean, both those cars, STI, G35, Coupe, those are the two things you brought up as your wild cards. Uh, I don't think those are boat towing vehicles. Their to- towing capacity, I looked it up, is about 2,000 pounds on both yeah, those. So, again, you're great. into jet skis, dirt bikes. That's kind of going to be your limit. Uh, right. Which is why, again, same place as the WRX wagon, which I think is a great all-around. You've got a lot of snow. You want to deal with that. Get a WRX wagon and have a great day. I think the big question for you, Eric, the, the tipping point question is what boat and how often? And that will right. decide it for you. But I want to go through the, the ones that you brought up here. You said uh, you brought up f- four of these five-seat uh, CUVs. The Cadillac SRX, the Nissan Murano, the Lexus RS350, and the Nissan Juke Nismo. Now you said uh, you only have <laughs> you said yeah. you you only have probably you know twenty five grand or so to work with, which is why those are, that's your comparison. So the, the juke would be theoretically new, and the others would be, be used. I will say this right off the bat: I looked it up because I was like, "Can you tow with a juke?" Not really. <laughs> Here's the thing: the WRX wagon can awesome. tow far more than the juke. Just so you know, how much can that car tow? Nissan's not really saying. Owners are saying 1,000 to 1,500 pounds, but when you consider that the WX wagon is saying 2,000 pounds, I just think the answer is, please, please don't do this, is kind of what's happening there. You're you're towing a roadside hot dog cart behind your Nissan, if if that's the case. You're not towing a boat. Maybe. I'm sorry. You're towing a bicycle rack. That's what you're towing with your (laughs) Nissan. You are headed to the county fair to the... (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, so that's not happening. Yeah. But um, the the Lexus RS350 and the Nissan Murano are in the same category, and that is they're fine, they're bland. These are not enthusiast automobiles. Uh, the Lexus obviously is going to be a little nicer than the Murano. They are just 
they're they're white bread. They're just they're vehicles. I don't know. Yeah, the you know, SRX. If you pronounce the SRX as a word, it it sucks. It it sort of sucks, 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 <laughs> sucks. Well, sucks. I mean, here's the thing: the, yeah. the current version it's it's decent for what it is. It's decent for that five seat CUV. It's on the same platform as the Equinox and the Terrain uh, that GM makes. Otherwise, those Which are solid, okay. fairly competitive five seat uh, vehicles. But and, and and all these, by the way, that that, that we're talking about, these three all have a thirty five hundred uh, pound uh, towing capacity, which is enough to pull off your boat. But I, the SRX is a kind of an acquired taste. You either l- like it or you loathe it. I think it's a decent car in this area, but again, not an enthusiast car. So I don't know if we're ducking the question, but I feel like that the 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 bigger point here, Eric, is the boat towing. And I think if you really are going to get a boat and really going to tow it a lot, you have to die to the enthusiast thing. If you yeah. can not tow it off and get a friend to tow it, then I think there's a lot of interesting options, and I would start right away with the WRX. You know, Eric, I uh, definitely agree with Todd here. The ideas that I came up with on this list here, none of them are really enthusiast-driving cars, but they respect the other two requirements that you put in here. Yes, you get a lot of snow, so four-wheel drive is preferred, and the boat towing thing. But Todd and I have also discussed about... Uh, you know, buying a car and saying, well, I might go to Home Depot a lot or I might, you know, just have a few errands once or twice per year and buying a car for those errands really isn't relevant. So the ideas that I came up with here were the Toyota 4Runner, the Land Cruiser, or I even looked at that Subaru Outback wagon, which is a bit Uh bigger. That might be able to tow, you know, slightly more than a feather. Maybe the Legacy (laughs) sedan, the wagon there, as you said. The Outback um, is not actually a very small car. It's it's a surprise. I've driven one recently. Fairly it's large a surprisingly yeah. good sized car. It's bigger than you think. I parked one next to my GMC Acadia once and was shocked at that was probably eighty percent the size of my Acadia. That is not a small vehicle, <laughs> which is crazy. And then the last three here on my list were the Volkswagen Tiguan or Touareg. Again, uh-huh. not because uh-huh. they're drivers' cars, but because they fit twenty grand. They're four wheel drive and they can probably tow a fair amount. Yep. And they're definitely in that, you know, five seat kind of thing. So again, you can see and then finally here the Mercedes ML as a as a wild card. But again, none of these vehicles are things we'd recommend to, you know, performance driving, having a lot of fun, but they do yeah. check your other boxes. So maybe that might work for you, but in general, you're gonna have to decide at, at this point no car manufacturer has invented the car that you can hoon through a canyon road and have a lot of fun and by the way it can tow your houseboat. So Well and I think just hasn't that, been that, invented yet. I mean, look, I hate I hate to throw this out there because it's really not relevant for your money, but just it, speaking off your last point, Paul, I think the McCann might, but it's a $60,000 Porsche. Yeah, you the know? McCann I mean, might, it, you're right. It, that, I don't know what its towing capacity is. I actually just looked up the Outback. The Outback towing capacity is 3,000 pounds, so you could get into an Outback and probably tow a boat. But I'm very curious. Uh, our friend Google is going to see if it can help me with the... Uh, the McCann uh, towing capacity. I'm very curious to see what uh, what they claim. Interesting. But it can't be a ton. Um, so let's yeah. see. It's saying, uh, er- hmm. Eric. You know, actually, it's saying 4,000 pounds or so. But again, that's a $60,000 car. And that is the exception to the general rule, which is this world does not exist, which is a fun car, five-seat SUV that can tow your boat. Um, hmm. Probably. So wait, am I hearing Porsches are awesome and you should all buy Porsches? Is that what I'm Easy. hearing? Easy. Easy. Down, down, Paul. Down, oh, Paul. Uh, the, right. Because, you know, 
there sure. are a lot of things that are great about them, but not for sixty grand. Here we're having a discussion yeah, about twenty-five no. grand. So you've kind of stumped us, Eric. But I hope it's been a little bit helpful in your debate. Uh, go drive some cars and figure out uh, which part of the equation is more important to you. I want to move on yeah, to uh, Jason in Michigan. Interesting discussion from him here. He's nineteen, and he's driving a hand-me-down car from his parents. He's driving a 2002 VW Passat V6 five-speed. Bravo to you on having the five-speed and enjoying that as a first car. Yeah, this is very a hand nice. Down, hand-me-down from his parents, and it has been, he's just had fun with it. He's taken it and done, you know, LED lights, and he's done tuning and sway bars and coilovers and all kinds of stuff to kind of make this car his car, but it's coming up on 200,000 miles. He's saved his money since he was 15. He wants to go buy himself his first car, and that is an awesome awesome place to be jason you're looking at about 20 grand on the high side and you said all right guys i have this passat i love it i love german cars by the way paul loves german cars so he said what should i do (laughs) i'm all over that and jason shout out to detroit i've got a lot of friends that live in detroit so uh yeah we we uh do know that area and the thing that struck me is something that you said about your car you've kind of made this car your baby Mm-hmm. You've tuned mm-hmm. it, you've got yep. the uh, the chip in it, you've done some things to it, and I get that. And so the questions that you've asked us here is lease or buy, lease or buy. And generally speaking, I noted last winter, Detroit saw record amounts of snow. And in the aftermath, there were potholes the size of swimming pools in the roads. <laughs> I mean, the streets are awful to begin with. We know this, and they got even worse. Yeah. So... Yeah, you got to have either front-wheel drive or probably all-wheel drive. I, I love that you stories. love German cars. And I love the fact that no longer is it required in Detroit to drive an American car. Subaru's headquarters mm. are there. Audi's headquarters are there. It doesn't matter if you're a Ford guy and you work for GM anymore. Your car isn't going to get keyed in the parking lot any longer. <laughs> I mean, there's car enthusiasts who work Hopefully for General not. Motors, and they're totally Mustang guys. So that era is kind of over. And so therefore, driving a German car in Detroit is not a big deal anymore. It's fine, which I love. So I'm going to come over to, first of all, buy or lease. And based on your requirements, based on your price, which is about $15,000 to Mm $20,000, I'm going to recommend buying to you, not leasing, because of the amount of mileage. Because of the amount of mileage you put on a year, the amount of money you're going to be paying for a high mileage lease is going to make your ears water. It's going to be really your ears awful. are watering. That is that is a pro- not just your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Your ears are now watering. <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking buying for you again because you like to do stuff to it. It seems like you want to tune it up a little bit, personalize it. This is going to be your baby again, and so that's why I'm yep. thinking buy. If you're leasing, you're you're going to be handcuffed. You're going to have to go newer, and you're going to be handcuffed as far as what you can do to it. Yeah, and you're agreed. never going to get your money back out. You're going to take those parts off and go. All right, I got to sell them or something. Well, and I, I don't think at his at his budget level of fifteen to twenty grand, I don't think there's going to be a good lease option that he's going to be happy with. That he's going to be happy with the car that he got. Whereas if you go used, you're going to have a, a much larger just array of cars that you can make available. But I, I want to speak to you, Jason, about where you are in, 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 I know this sounds very parenting of me, but I don't mean it that way, where you are in life right now, and that is 19 about to buy the first car that you have earned the money for. I want to make just a couple blanket statements about that before we dive in further, and that is this. 
I think you should go drive some things that aren't necessarily a match for you because I want to get you out of your Passat into some things that are totally different just from a life experience mm. thing real quickly. And the two that I think you need to go drive, go drive either an FRS or a BRZ. I'm not saying buy one. I don't think it's a match for you. You want all-wheel drive or front-wheel drive. You want to deal with snow. I get it. I don't think it's a match for you. But go see if you can get a good distance drive in that car to feel the dynamics of a well-balanced, low-center of gravity rear-wheel drive car. And then do the same thing with the Fiesta ST. Drive both those cars just to come away with that life experience as a driver and then go shop what's right for you. Because I think it's going to shift your awareness a little bit. I don't think those cars are necessarily a match, but I think it's going to shift your awareness enough that you can go into recommendations with that in your back pocket, as Paul likes to say, and I think it'll be helpful to you. I like that idea a lot, just from the experience alone. And that's what we love is the amount of cars that Todd and I have driven. We can think back and go, oh, yeah, we've got that experience. And then, therefore, you know, trying to find the right match. I think Todd's absolutely spot on for the driving experience. I came away with my list here and recommendations for you. Okay. I'm going to stay German. and I'm going to stay Volkswagen because we know you like them already. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. know you kind of want to tune them. And so I initially thought diesel. I've got a friend who lives up in Rochester Hills. He's commuting to work, and he bought a Jetta TDI, threw some rims on it. It's tight. It's his little diesel commuter car. He loves it. Hmm, Something like that might be interesting. But then I realized, you know what? I've got the Volkswagen for you. Uh -oh. It is the 2003 or 2004 Golf R32. Now, hmm. I realize that's a 10-year-old car at this point, but it checks First most of the boxes. Say. It's all-wheel drive. Yeah. It's very tunable. It's a Volkswagen. It's a German car, which you love. And clearly, you're not afraid of the high mileage. And I found something with uh, about 60,000 miles on the odometer for about 20 grand. So something like that shouldn't scare you off. And, you know, nowadays, the age of a car shouldn't scare you off as much as the condition that it's in. So an older car that's in great condition shouldn't be an issue. Now, I'm well, also... I, uh, that Your is thoughts? an older car. That is an. I mean, that's that's my only concern for you is that that is a significantly older car. I mean, it's sure, every bit as sure. old as what he's getting out of. But okay, interesting. I because you like VWs, Jason, and because you are willing to, to go high mileage with your VW. I mean, come on, almost two hundred thousand miles in your current one. Right. I stayed GTI for you. You're willing to go front wheel drive. I think you could, could go a Mark Six GTI for your money. Put an APR chip in it. I think you could make that car your own and really enjoy it. You're not afraid of high mileage on those cars. I think that could be a great choice. I just I hate to recommend something 10 years old for it. I think it's a good recommendation. I'm worried about the age of it. Yeah, that is, an, that is the issue. And so I thought, all right, well, what could you get newer? And yeah. I settled upon the Mazda Speed 3, either yep. generation, either yep. the first gen or if you can find one for 20 grand as the second generation. That's a lot of fun, a lot of power, front-wheel drive, yep. very tunable great on gas for commuting and yeah as a driver's car that thing is a that thing's a hoot we love that was it. on my list as well i mean the mazda speed 3 and also the focus st those are the larger guys the gti sized yeah. guys that's why i said go drive the fiesta st to experience it i don't know that it's a match for you step up into the bigger boys of the speed 3 and the and the focus but coming out of having at least experienced the fiesta I think you'll have a good frame of reference on the Speed 3 and the ST. Try not to get a beat down one, but I think uh, right. you could. The, the Mazda Speed 3 or the Focus ST, I think, could be really good, genuine, non German, non Volkswagen products to consider. They are hot. 
the they do have torque steer. These are the realities of those <laughs> yes. cars, but they are very fun. You know, I've got a super duper crazy wild card for you, Jason. It's okay. kind of out there. All right. All right. Here it is. It's a little bit of a secret. Well, you might already know this. If you live in Detroit, you probably already know about this. Find a friend who works for FOMOCO, and with that employee A plan pricing, <laughs> you can get a brand new Fiesta ST for $17,000. Brand new. I That floors me. But again, okay. you got to have a good close friend who, yeah, loves you and yeah. would do that for you. But if you can find something like that, hello, Fiesta ST for seventeen grand. Sure, I hear you Done. on that. I hear you on that. I don't know that that's going to be the, the direct match. I mean, the problem, I think, with the Fiesta ST is the same problem I have with another one of my recommendations, which is the WRX. I feel like we come back to those maybe even too often, but they are yeah, great cars do. for the money. But here's the thing. You're coming out of you've fallen in love with German cars, and those have a certain level of of just uh, interior enjoyment and build quality feel that when you get the Fiesta ST, it may be 10 years plus newer than your current car. I th still think you're kind of going to go, really? Sure. Interior-wise, yeah, which is a bit that. of a disappointment. And I think you're going to feel the same way about the WRX, even though the WRX would be an incredibly fun car for you. I think that's kind of spoiled you to the German feel, and that may be a hurdle for you to some degree. You mentioned, another thing you mentioned here was you were curious about the S4, the A4, and the CC. The CC is your car in a better body style. Maybe that's for you. It's not really. I wouldn't think of it as an enthusiast car necessarily. The A4 is, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice car. But if you get a base one, which is, might be what you can afford, then it's probably, probably not a huge performance car either, though that all-wheel drive system is great. I will give you that. Yeah, the Quattro S4, is great. The S4, you've got to go 7 to 10 years old to maybe find one for your price point. At that point, I just wouldn't buy that car that old. Sure. And, you know, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of people in Detroit do this. A lot of car guys, they've got their fun car that only makes its appearance during the summer months when there's sure. no snow. And then they've got their beater for the rest of the time for commuting, for you know driving in the snow, and salt is a big issue. And I was going to say... A, that's a question. What? Interesting. I'm wondering, is this what you were going to say? What's happening to the Passat? Can you keep it? That Can you keep that and make that your winter car and go spend your money on a little bit more fun-focused car that let's say you drive the Passat three, four months out of the year and the, the, the other car can make its appearance. If the Passat's not going anywhere or if you're going to make two grand on it, then hang on to it and make that, that your be beater an option, car actually. and go buy something you could have a little more fun in. Maybe that, I'm just thinking out loud, this just now struck me. I don't know if that's where you were going, but that, that you could work that way. I guess not, but I guess the only question is if you need to sell that car to get the money to pay for the new one, yeah. that could be a problem. If you can keep the Passat and turn that into your beater car, then, yeah, find a fun car for a lot less money. And now, yeah, who knows? You know, suddenly you're introducing the two-car equation. But what I was originally going to say was I went German because in Germany – they're, they also salt the roads there, and they're required mm, 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 to have yeah. at least a 10-year corrosion warranty on those cars for German roads. And that's why mm. they hold up so great in places like Detroit. Sure, so, sure. So, you know, that, that is a consideration because, you know, a couple-year-old car that doesn't have that, you can find rust on that right away. It's, it's frankly amazing just because mm. the amount of salt Detroit puts on the road. So that could be sure. an issue, but... That's why I suggest German cars for that reason as well. So, Well, I want to just come back to the, the thought I started with, and I want to revisit it real quickly, Jason, and then we do need to wrap up. And that is, 
you're 19, you've been saving since you were 15, this is the car you're buying. I want you to get into something that you're just excited about. Because when that money goes out the door, there is a buyer's remorse. No matter who you are, there's a buyer's remorse of, did I just make a stupid mistake? Sure. <laughs> and, and, and there's the old joke of, did I get a good deal? Well, did you buy the car? Because so, if you bought the car, you didn't. There's that old joke. Exactly. But, but, but here's the thing. I want you to get something that just when you walk away from it in the parking lot or when you, you walk up to it to get in it, you're just like, that is my car. I paid for that car. I don't want you to be like, oh, yeah. I can't believe I ended up with this. So really, that's why I'm saying drive the FRS and the ST and the, the stuff to just give you frame of reference. And then genuinely, man, especially if you can keep that Passat, buy something that just makes you laugh, makes you enjoy being in it. We're all about that. That's a great idea. Well, we should wrap up. Eric, Jason, thank you so much for writing in. And to all of Definitely. you listening, you can write to us at, uh, what is it, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Yep. Definitely. And you can find us on Facebook as well to write in. So please, please do. We're looking for as much information as you're willing to share about your Definitely. price range, what you're going to use the car for, what things have you already driven, because you can hear Todd and I recommending go drive other stuff first so yep. you might know yep. better. You might, you're a better informed driver. And we will again revisit the thought about search outside of your city and outside of your area for good Definitely. deals. Find a Definitely. car in Florida and drive it back. You know it's going to be top condition, never seen salt or snow, whatever. So write to us. Please let us know what you're shopping for. We're here to help you buy a new car. And what's also cool is that some of you are starting to write back with your responses. We've covered you on the podcast. You're starting to write back with your responses and how you're narrowing cars down. As we get a compilation of people that have bought certain cars, I actually want to revisit that and go, hey, this person from this podcast bought this car because we want to share that experience with you guys as well. So keep telling us not only about the cars you're searching for now, but if you land on something, we want to hear those stories too. We want to share those. You can find us anywhere you're looking. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We have our own website. All of those are Everyday Driver. That's the key element. So yep. you can definitely find us. We do have articles on our everydaydriver.com website. I admit we don't get updated often, but heck, there was one with the new uh, GTR Evo piece. There oh, are yeah. art written articles up there. We'd love for you to be reading those. Please share our work, especially our videos and this podcast. You guys are doing awesome at that. <laughs> yes. Thank you for engaging with us. Thank you so much. Uh, be sure to go watch that GTR piece. And when you do, turn off your ad blockers, please. And <laughs> <laughs> one last thing, you can find us on Patreon.com if you're interested in helping us out, helping us make videos faster, Patreon.com slash Everyday Driver. And uh, check that out. There's some options on there if you'd like to help us out. We would welcome that. Thank you so much for listening. Looking forward yep. to seeing you next week. Thank you. See you soon, guys. Thanks. 